your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Katsky. It is time for the Your Van Seas Weekly podcast. We're already at episode seven. I'm Greg Ballack, joined as usual by Charlie Kasky, and let's get right to it. It's uh, been an interesting week for the Vancouver Canadians. It was a good one, in a sense, the end of the first half. Uh, unfortunately, the Canadians didn't pull it out. They they made it close, Charlie, as they finished the, the first half of the season with five straight wins uh, to put the pressure on Spokane, um, but were unable to jump over them in the standings because Spokane had the tiebreaker. Yeah, well, I mean, going into that final weekend, I think we spoke on the Sunday, didn't we? And the uh, mm-hmm. final game was on the Monday, and we said there's... I said, sorry, not we, I won't I won't <laughs> attribute it to you as well, that there wasn't a hope in hell that they would do it, but they, in a sense, they proved me uh, They proved me wrong winning their final five games and, and really putting the pressure on Spokane to, uh, because that last game, they played an afternoon game, and Spokane was playing in the evening, so Spokane knew full well that they were uh, they were a half game back and, mm-hmm. and needed to win. Unfortunately for Vancouver, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, because during this entire streak, Vancouver have not won the first half once. They've always either won the second half or been the next best team. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to really want to break with tradition here. Um, <laughs> would have been nice to have that security going into the second half, though, right? Yeah, well, it would have been interesting to see what what would have happened because Bluefield season, you know, it's always players coming up from Bluefield near the kind of, well, last year it was around this time that Tom Robson and Shane Dawson came up and then obviously we got the guys for the playoffs. But Bluefield play a different season where they play the whole season and it's the first and second team make the playoffs. It's not a split season. Okay. So... You know, they, they don't know till the very end if they're in or out. You know, I think they're maybe a game back right now, even though they haven't played very well. So, yeah, it would have been interesting with knowing full well that the Seas are in the playoffs, how they would have, you know, made any player movements, what would have mm-hmm. happened um, going forward. But, like, I think I was listening to the, uh, I was at the Hillsburg game the other day and listened to the Hops announcer, who was just an absolute wealth of information. It's like he had yeah. Wikipedia of, about Vancouver yep. open and was just throwing out <laughs> facts left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true, you know, Vancouver are, are really going to have to play poorly not to make the playoffs because they should either win the second half, considering the team they have, or quite easily be the next best team if Spokane were to win the second half. Now, mm-hmm. I say that Spokane's, of, of course, started 1-4, and, and and Everett's actually leading the division right now. But <laughs> it's early. You know, it's early, and the, the, throughout that first half, there was two very good teams, Vancouver and Spokane, and then two quite rubbish teams, so... I don't know. Minor league baseball is a funny thing. Players come up, players come down, players things move, change. things change. You know, in a heartbeat. So we'll see what happens. It should be interesting. Now, if the if the Canadians did have that first first place secured going into the second half, would you say a guy like Max Pentecost could move up quicker quicker in the ranks? And you know, if the Canadians don't really need him to make the playoffs, would you would that kind of bode well for his his promotion? I guess. And uh, if, if you're here in Vancouver, you want him to stay, obviously, but. Yeah, that's a funny one. I, I've really been, a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter, like, oh, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be here for the rest of the season? Franklin Barreto, I think, will definitely play in Vancouver for the entire season. He's 18. He's the youngest player mm-hmm. in the league. There's there's absolutely no need to move him. Um, same with like guys like Miguel Castro and, and Jairo Laborde and Toronto, the other prospects that we have. Well, well Barreto's an interesting case because you can tell he's, he's clearly still developing. Like, he, like you said, he's 18, youngest player in the league. Yeah. And he's had his struggles, not with the bat. He's been pretty good. He's had his slumps every once in a while, but 
mainly in the field, he needs that time to develop. Well, yeah, like you said, his slumps with the bat prove just how good he is because it's it's three games max, maybe mm-hmm. four games where he's struggling, and then he can figure it out. Yeah. You know, he's not getting into extended seven, eight, nine game slumps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he needs some work on his fielding for sure. And with and with Dola Lugo, who's only nineteen up in Lansing, you know, there's no you know, you would have to then shuffle the deck even more. And maybe they maybe they will. Maybe Lugo mm-hmm. will go up to Dunin and, and Bredo will I don't know. But I, well I shouldn't say that because I do think that he'll be in Vancouver the rest of the way. Pentecost, however, you know what? I all every time these people ask me, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. I, I think he'll be in Vancouver till my best guess would be mid-August, maybe to the third week of August, and then, obviously, this is dependent on his play, but he could end up in Dunedin because they have wrapped up a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've been gutted. You know, Daniel Norris has gone up to New Hampshire. Pompeii. Matt Boyd's gone up to New Hampshire. Dalton Pompey, like you say. So, you know, they're a shell of the team that stormed the first half title of the Florida State League. So I would have thought the Jays would would give them, beef them up a bit for their mm-hmm. playoff push. And not only that, I mean, it gets these players back in Florida, you know, where where the the main facility is. Yeah. Um, you know, Pentecost will for sure go to Instructional League after the minor league season. Mm-hmm. So having them in Florida is, you know, it's not, logistically, it's not a huge problem to get him from Vancouver to Florida. But if he's already there, if he's already comfortable, you know. It, Chance it, to succeed are great. It, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it does no harm. So that's my best guess. I mean, obviously Dunedin already has Santiago Nessie and Jorge Saez, which are still kind of fringe prospects in the catcher position. But, I mean, Pentecost is, has gotten off to a great start here in Vancouver. Um, defensively, I'm, I think he's still got a lot to work on, which, mm-hmm. again, you know, why not send him to Dunedin where I'm guessing the mustachioed maestro, uh, <laughs> Sal, Sal, uh, oh my Sal. God. I'm having my, my brain, Fasano. Fasano, my <laughs> weekly brain cramp. Um, weekly? Yeah, <laughs> daily. I'm only on here <laughs> weekly, so you only get to see it once a week. Um, is there, you know, because he, he needs some work. I um, I was sitting next to a scout a couple of days ago, and, you know, we were chatting about it. His pop time's a bit slow right now, and his arm, mm-hmm. is just, it's just not great. You know, he's he's bouncing every throw I've seen. Yeah, it's uh, been underwhelming. Yeah. Fans expectations. There you go. That's so. an excellent word, Greg. <laughs> And, I mean, the way he blocks the ball, he's very athletic, obviously. He moves around very well, but he doesn't... He runs well, too. He, well, he runs very well. Yeah. I think I didn't bring my notebook, but, yeah, I mean, we, I got some times going off the line, and they were, for a catcher, they were excellent. Yep. Um, but he doesn't get well. He doesn't get down well. He doesn't block. He's, he, he's more of a jabber right now. Um, and, and when he's framing pitches as well, same thing. He's jabbing at it with his glove. But, I mean, these are minor issues. Concerning. But all these signs, like, you see that are coming up, you know, doesn't have great pop time, doesn't have a good throwing arm for a catcher, runs better than most catchers. Are all those signs that point to maybe he won't stick behind the plate? <laughs> it seems I, to be yeah, pointing you know in that what? direction. I, I wish I knew. I mean, obviously. It's we, early. It's very we, it's, early. It's but. very, very early. Um, you know, when at draft time that we had you in on the podcast, um, you know, that was the big thing with him mm-hmm. is that of all the catchers drafted in the first round, I think there was a few, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, he was the most likely. To, he was the most likely to stick at at, at catcher. So, yeah, and, you know, it's like it's like Bredo at short. I personally don't think he'll stick at short, mm-hmm. but you know, he's eighteen, so why wouldn't you let him try? 
you know, for the next couple of years. He's not going to be in the major leagues in three years, so we don't need to know what his final position is going to be. Let him develop as a shortstop. You know, exactly. Can't get much much easier, much uh, harder than playing shortstop. Right? No, exactly. If, if you can develop someone at a premier position like shortstop, yeah. then you have just that much more cachet in the bank as well. And that's the same way if you want to trade him somewhere down the road. You know, if, if you, I mean, obviously scouts will know. You know, you know the other teams are sending advanced scouts to see him, and and they might have an opinion as well as as to whether he can stick it short. But yeah. well, that'll be the book on him. You know, that's the book. When when people are going to inquire on him, it's going to be great bat, but needs a ton of work in the field. That's well, kind of the story. But like Pentecost, he's a supreme athlete. So yeah. if if he can't stick it short, he's going to play something else that will be an up the middle position, whether it's second or whether it's center field. Yeah. Um, you know, so. His his versatility is, and his athleticism means that he's going to play a, a a pretty premier kind of position. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm doing an article; it's taken me forever. Um, but looking at Ryan McBroom, who's having a great season thus far for the seas, for an but, older guy. But yeah, but first basemen that are drafted out of college just don't make the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give too much away from the article. I've <laughs> had some great research from help from you and Ross of, of Blue Jays Plus. Um, and it, it, it's just, it's shocking how few of these guys actually make the major leagues because yeah. you your bat has to play to such an elite level. And every level is a challenge, and you're bound to peter off at some point. Yep, right? yep. And I mean, we'll compare him to LB Dancer, who won the NWL MVP last year. You know, he struggled this year. He, you know, he, he was in Lansing. He was okay. Mm-hmm. Now he's promoted for whatever reason to Dunedin and, and is not hitting all that well at all. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously the, from the FSL to Double A, as far as the minor leagues are concerned, that's the biggest yeah. jump. And well, that's, that's when pitchers start to figure it out and they they learn how to pitch these guys. Yeah. And, and really come up with a game plan rather than okay, I'm going to throw my best pitch <laughs> yeah. in in the type of league. That, well, yeah, like you say, they've got a game plan. They've got breaking balls that they can throw for strikes at any time. Um, more often than not, two breaking balls. You know, a change, easy, a change easier said than and, done. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like we've talked about, or I've talked about Miguel Castro. You know, I think he's a, he's a stud, but his slider right now is slurvy, and yeah. it'll get smacked if, if he's up in the Midwest League or, or the Florida State League right now. You know, next year, hopefully, you know, he'll go to instructs and then in ex- not extended, he'll be he'll be a full season player next year. But, you know, that's they'll just keep working, keep yeah. working, keep working in development, you know, and that's why you need to be patient with him. But as of right now, people say, oh, hey, Castro's, you know, what has he got now? His ERA is ridiculous. And like I've done my creative accounting before, if we take out that third of an inning versus yeah. Hillsborough, it's unbelievable how well he's pitched. Yeah. But I just don't think he's ready. For the Midwest League, I think they'll figure him out. I wonder what happened in that that one inning. Maybe he had the flu or something. <laughs> just well, totally. I spoke to Jeff Ware, but it, like ten days after, and he said that he he got squeezed on a couple of calls mm. from the ump, and he started to lose his cool uh, a bit, and just started trying to overthrow basically. And makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. when mm. you start overthrowing, especially your two seamer, it starts to flatten out. Yeah. And but that's that's maybe just a sign of his immaturity. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like Ricky Romero, and when he started to go downhill, it was. He was getting frustrated and, and you know couldn't throw a strike after he got a little bit flustered after one bad call and you know that's kind of the book on Romero I guess he's he's kind of an immature pitcher I guess for a guy his age right we've well, yeah. seen the results it's it's almost like a Rick Ankeel situation with him <laughs> now right so, I don't think he's going to come back as an outfielder you, you think no no Ricky no. Romero no in fact I think we've seen the last of old Ricky. 
Well, he's down in California, just just chilling, just yeah. chilling, surfing, yeah. rehabbing. Well, meeting, rehabbing in in air quotes, meeting uh, new Miss California girls. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about Ricky. Let's talk about the the future exactly, of the yes. Blue Jays, which doesn't include Ricky Romero. Um, it was a good first half for the Canadians. Twenty five wins is still something to be proud of. It's the first time they've ever done twenty five wins in the yeah. first half. Franchise record for the first half, uh, or for any half, I think that's their okay. that's their record amount of wins. Um, they tied Spokane, so they they did have the best record, but they just lost the tiebreaker. Lost the tiebreaker. Um, uh, I think Spokane took four or six of them in their two uh, two three game sets. Um, Spokane had a really good team. There's yeah. no doubt. So and Vancouver did as well. I think what you can take out of the first half for me personally is that you know we got dealt a very nice hand at the beginning of the season. For, you know, f- from my perspective, that we had four, you know, top 15, I think, Blue Jays prospects going into the season. And, you know, and I mean, Toronto was probably the most highly ranked of all of them. And obviously, he's the one that struggled the most. But the other three have been pretty good. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Barreto's been fantastic. And, you know, he's been better than advertised, despite the fielding woes, I guess you we could call it. And then Castro's been, been excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Laborte, we've seen... Glimpses, you know, we've seen hints here and there. Yeah. We've also seen what's made what's been the problem. You know, the other his start the other day against Hillsborough, I think he walked five, hit two. He was all over the place. You yeah. know, it wasn't you like weren't he, impressed. Uh, well, I was up in the press box, so I couldn't see the depth on his slider. But you know, his fastball, he was when he was throwing it well and he was hitting his spots. It's it's I'm not going to say unhittable, but it it's pretty close. You know. Mm. He's he's ramping up to ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. You know he was he was trying to work inside to right handers, and that's where he, he hit two right handed batters. Um, but in low A, there's not a lot of guys that can. Well, catch no, up and that. and from the left side, um, throwing that hard, and then his slider, he he gets nice separation on the velocity, but it it's like Castro's. It's just inconsistent. You know, mm-hmm. I I got some video actually. I'm going to try and get it up on my site soon where. He was he was facing former Blue Jays draft pick Grant Heyman. Um, blew a fastball by him, absolutely blew it by him. Um, through through a very nice slider, nice tilt, nice depth, low in the zone, um, which Heyman took for a strike. So O two, you've got the world at your feet. O two, and what does he do? He, he hangs a slider, yeah. which Heyman, you know, he, it was a kind of a emergency hack, but he was able to flare it over Bredo's mm-hmm. head into. Uh, Short left field, which scored a run. There's absolutely no way he sh- he should be throwing a pitch anywhere near the strike zone in that in that instance. Um, and why did the Jays let on the Heyman note? Why did they let him go? Because he hit an absolute bomb the game I went to. Yeah, he's he's wall. been really good. They just couldn't get him signed. Oh. They uh, they couldn't get him signed. Um, I don't. I read an article. That I I can't remember. I don't think it was anything. You know, untowards. I don't think it got nasty. I think they just they couldn't get him signed. He wanted to go. He went, he was committed to the University of Miami. Actually, had a terrible freshman season at the University of Miami. Hardly played, and then transferred to some JUCO in Vegas, I believe, wow. and then got drafted again um, in the Arizona system. And and so far is is having a great first season. Yeah, you know how far he goes. Who knows? It's they're too young to make predictions now, but mm-hmm. he's been he's been very good thus and far, and he's he's been a bit of a seas killer actually. His homer uh, cleared the the center field wall at the net by, I want to say twenty feet. Like it was it really was, yeah, well maybe not twenty, but it was close. It was wasn't a wall scraper over the center field <laughs> wall. It was no. He's got some serious pop, and yeah. he he's got a really nice swing. He stands really upright. He's really relaxed, mm-hmm. and then 
you know, he can adjust, you know, he keeps his hands back to where he can adjust like that. I mean, Laborte, the, the slider was a decent slider, mm-hmm. but it was just in a very bad spot. So he was able to adjust, keep his hands back and just slap it the other way. Yeah. And, you know, for after putting him behind 0-2 with two fantastic pitches, you either bury another slider in the dirt or raise the eye level with a fastball. You know, you, you don't give him the opportunity to, to slap a, a Texas leaguer. You know, and here's me offering a professional <laughs> pitcher advice. But again, it's it's just, you know, the guys get kind of caught up and, you know, it's easier to for us watching the game to notice these kind of things than maybe it is as the player. You know, sometimes well, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, and I'm sure Jeff... You're not thinking about the count properly. You're just kind of going with the flow and you, you leave an 0-2 pitch like that, you know. Well, and, and Pentecost is, is is still, like we said, quite raw behind the plate. Um, yeah, his, his play calling has uh, come under fire a little bit as well. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I know they've got a game plan. That they don't take instructions from the bench at this level. They, you know, the catchers call the game. I know yeah. they have a game plan prior to the game. Yeah. Um, but they're going to make mistakes. They're young. He's just come off a, a long college season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like going back to Laborte, he he threw some very nice pitches, but then he was all over the spot, all over the, you know, in the, in the first inning he was missing down low, a lot of balls in the dirt. And then later on, I think it was the third inning, he he started leaving his everything up and away. So his, his release point was off. You know, he just couldn't get it figured out where he wanted the ball to come out of his hand. Mm. Um, and it's a shame because, as we were discussing off air, Anthopolis, Alex Anthopolis, JGM, um, was actually in town, and he was due to start the Thursday night, the second game of the doubleheader after the rainout on Wednesday. And um, I got to the park, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I don't know, Chase Millard starting the second one," and nobody really had an answer for it. I'm sure <laughs> they knew, they just couldn't tell us yeah. peons in the media. Um, <laughs> why Laborte was getting pushed back, but yeah. it was because Anthopolis was making a quick trip, so he wanted to see Laborte and Castro Friday-Saturday. So Laborte yeah. wasn't overly impressive, but, you know, I say he's not overly impressive, but... Maybe he was nervous. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was nervous. He's 19. You know, and you know your GM's watching you. Or maybe <laughs> they saw what the stuff he has on offer, and they thought, you know what, he's coming along just fine. Who mm. knows what they think? You know, they've got... The way they view their players is proprietary. So I can offer my opinion, but it may be wholly disparate to what Alex Anthopoulos and the rest of the Brain Trust thinks. That being said, I'm, I didn't go to Saturday night's game because I wanted to chart Castro and I couldn't get a ticket to sit behind the plate. I, I would have had to have done it from the press box, which is just useless. So mm-hmm. I, Not I, the angle at the net. Press box. Yeah, exactly. It's not a great angle. So I did a family day instead, but he went six shutout innings with, what, three hits and eight strikeouts or something like that. So I, I'm guessing... Um, Anthopolis was came away pretty impressed yeah. with uh, with that performance. I texted a couple of people and they all said, you know, his, apparently his first two pitches of the shoot were ninety seven, ninety eight fastballs. So, <laughs> hey, look at me. <laughs> yeah, I think he was he was pretty ramped up. Um, it's a shame we were due to have uh, Chris Sherwin, who who's Blue Jays Plus as well, and seems like our sister <laughs> <laughs> sister podcast. Yeah. <laughs> was going to be on the show tonight and I was going to discuss with him because I've, I've sent him some video on Laborte and, and Castro and, and sort of discuss their mechanics and, and kind of get into a bit more in-depth discussion. But there's storms out east in Toronto, so he's got no power and his cell phone died and his landline is, is cut off, so we'll have to push that back a week. We'll get him on eventually. We'll get him on. Yeah. Be interesting. And if we can go back to Max Pentecost a little bit, um, 
you know, we touched on him quite a bit, but his numbers of he came out of the shoot pretty strong, you know, when he when he first got made his way to Vancouver. Um, but now after eleven games, you know, on base three forty seven, still pretty good. But it's it's it was over the four hundred mark for for a while, and he's kind of struggled the last little bit. Um, wasn't overly impressive the game I saw him at. So I don't know what's going on there, but I guess he he he's liable to go through his own struggles as well. I guess right? Yeah, exactly. He, he hadn't played. He's not perfect. <laughs> well. We'd like him to be, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, well, for that, that high of a pick, like, uh, it's a lot of expectation, but you know, people need, I think, need to cool off a bit on their. Yeah, on their, we need to be more realistic of of what you know. We, you know, he was drafted as a. No way was he drafted as a middle order bat. You know, we, we're looking at a guy that will hopefully develop gap to gap power that can hope you know someday hit ten, twelve, maybe fifteen home runs. Um, very athletic and like what have we threw comps on Jason Kendall Russell yeah. Martin you know guys that I hate comps are gonna yeah well we hate comps but <laughs> but you know he's not a guy that you're gonna plug right in the middle of, of your order one of these days if if he makes it to the MLB he's gonna be a seven hitter six maybe six hole seven hole steal the odd base work well with the pitching staff be athletic behind the plate on a good team though a seven or eight yeah hitter. exactly yeah. yeah well Toronto I think is a good team and Diano Bloody Navarro has been DHing at four. Yeah. You know they've had so many injuries, but he's the same way. He's mm-hmm. he's going through a, an incredible hot streak right now. But yeah. he's a he's a seven eight hole. Yeah. You know at best. Gap to gap. Um, Pentecost can run a heck of a lot better than he can, yes. but I can run a heck of a lot better than Navarro. I think my mom could run a heck of a lot better <laughs> than Navarro right now. Um, yeah, so I mean he, he's going to go through his struggles, that, and that's touching. Just that's why I think it's so amazing that every time you you think, okay, here comes Barreto swoon, he he hits his way out of it. Um, but yeah, Pentecost is he's not I, even struggling. He's still getting. He, yeah, you know. exactly. He's I saw him get a hit the other night on a on a breaking ball that fooled him, but like mm-hmm. um, like Heyman, he's he's just got that ability to keep his hands back, mm-hmm. um, let his hips go through, and he when gets when he gets fooled, and he gets his front foot out. His hands are in a position where he can still make make contact and make decent contact and mm-hmm. and, and make something of it. Um, so yeah, maybe he the last few games he he hasn't been driving the ball like we'd hoped. But he's been, he's been going one for four rather than two for four is yeah. basically what. <laughs> Which was earlier in the season, like Rowdy Tellers down in Bluefield. You know, this is a guy that I really want to see in Vancouver, and that's well, a to start the season he wasn't hitting at all. Then mm-hmm. yeah, same thing. You look at his box score and it's one for four, one for four, and it's mm-hmm. just not making any headway until the last kind of 10 days, yeah. same thing. And then look at Pompeii in, um, in New Hampshire. He couldn't do anything for the first 12, 13 games. Or if he got a hit, it was one. Mm-hmm. And now he's got 15 in his last 10, which is the most in the Eastern, uh, Eastern League. So Good to see he's got some success now up there. Well, yeah, but he was taking out the game today, and the yeah. Twitter was a bit of buzz, like, oh, yeah. what's wrong? You know, in the ninth he, with no in reason. ninth, he, he, he singled and went to second on a wild pitch or someone, and then somehow got to third, and then all of a sudden, out of, out of the game. Yeah, so a bit weird. Um, we'll all hold our collective breaths for both any trade possibilities or and or injury. Would he be a prospect you're willing to give up if they are to go for it this year? I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've been asked this. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's just made. He's made a lot of ground in the last year. So uh, he's made a lot of ground. Kind of sell high situation. Yeah, him, yeah. Or? I think you're right. I mean, I saw a, a mid-season prospect list come out that had him third, which I thought was way too high. Um, <laughs> Even now, it's still probably a bit high. Yeah, after um, what he's done. Yeah. So yeah, I I suppose I would let him go. 
I'm so thankful that Sanchez has come up though and has pitched well because mm. that's one guy I would have never let go. And same with Stroman. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, people are still still tweet me like, oh, but this is the first time in 20 years we've got a chance. And you know, someone like Samarja would have gotten us over the. And don't get me wrong, I think Billy Bean made the right trade for for Oakland, but we'd get a year and a half of Samarja giving up 12 years of Stroman and Sanchez. Yeah. You know, at minimal cost. Yeah. These, this is the future, and Sportsnet did a, a graphic. It was This was quite a while ago, saying the future's bright. Yeah. And yet Hutchison, 23, Stroman, 22, Sanchez, 21, and Norris, 21. So there's four guys that, you know, potentially, they're not all going to be frontline starters, yeah. and, and they're not all going to come up in a linear path like like we hope, mm-hmm. Sanchez next year, and maybe Norris the year after. Um but then you got Roberto Asuna, you got Hoffman coming back from injury, oh, yeah. you know. I'm excited about that. I'm already excited about Hoffman coming back. Yeah, and he's exactly. Still a year away. So, <laughs> you know, the pitching rotation looks good, which is great because, mm-hmm. you know, Happ and, and Morrow are probably going to be bought out next season. And then you got a couple of years of Dickey left. So we have to start replacing these mm-hmm. guys internally. Dickey would be fine as a four or five guy. Like, eight. yeah. Right now he's at the top of the rotation, so every time he struggles, it's a big deal. But yeah, like, oh, if you have a four, what's, what's this five starter doing? You know, as our number one. Blah, right. blah, blah, blah. But but if you have guys like Sanchez and Stroman in front of him, I mean, there's no pressure on Dickey to do well. The knuckleball's almost the perfect kind of four or five starter because it one day could be unhittable, the next day you know yeah, mediocre. But break, break those guys up and yeah. and <laughs> I was I can't remember who I was on a Twitter conversation with, but hopefully. When Sticky moves down the rotation, we can get rid of this Josh Toll personal caddy <laughs> and get someone like AJ Jimenez or something up that, you know, and of course, I think this was, we were saying it the other day when Tolly ended up having three hits or something yeah. like that. So, like, yeah. yeah. As soon as we make fun of him on air, you know. Tolly's he, an interesting candidate. I, I've looked over his his file quite a bit and I, you know, I was willing to give him a shot, but he definitely has been underwhelming. And, one I did write an article when he first came to Toronto, and there was a, a, an incident in, in, when he was with the Mets. Uh, he got a really, really bad concussion, and he was actually a pretty decent. He held his own uh, as a hitter um, while with the Mets, um, but ever since that concussion, his everything has just dropped in, in his hitting. So I I wonder if um, you know if even if you give him another chance, like he he could end up being a little more respectable than what he's been with the Jays, but. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it was quite the drop off after his. He got bowled over at the plate and got a concussion. Yeah, so. and I mean he was a big on base guy as well, wasn't yeah. he? Which is something the Jays could could use, you know. With but you lose that eye, like if you get a head injury, you know, yeah. you, you lose that. And if that's all you're you're good for, then yeah, you maybe lose your position you know, pretty quick. It's it's one of those things. He's like you say, he's an interesting case. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had some flashes. He started off really well this year, and obviously a very small sample size, and then he kind of swooned a bit when everybody swooned you know and all mm-hmm. the injuries were were happening and and players weren't you guys were putting up ridiculously low wrc pluses and you know we still kind of deifying guys like kawasaki kawasaki has not been that good but he's been the best of a of a bad lot mm-hmm. you know so people are pining to see him play second and then I, we, I saw a line today on twitter he's been better than ichiro this season <laughs> yeah i saw that i saw that tweet as well yeah <laughs> Um, and of course, yeah, Ichiro hit a home run the other night. Yeah, it's off uh, um, couldn't believe that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. But Sanchez, let's get back to Sanchez because I think he's been the exciting story this week since our last podcast. I think uh, him yeah. coming up with a, a clean inning was 
sensational. You know, it was a big story that day. Well, no, uh, did, I couldn't believe that they put him in in, in a one-run yeah. game, and he, yeah. and he threw two innings of yeah, he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and then tonight or today, earlier today at the yeah. Yankee Stadium, pitches yeah. another two innings, gives up a run. The Yankees sort of manufactured it against him. wasn't wasn't hit Those hard. Bastards. <laughs> But then he ends up with the win, so I guess yeah. it's a win-win. His first win comes at Yankee Stadium, which is a good sign for any Blue Jays pitcher, I think. Uh, hopefully he has lots of wins at Yankee Stadium in his career. But. Man, you, yeah, you hope so. You really <laughs> hope so. He's got the stuff. Oh, it, today you, they were just driving it into the ground. The first inning he pitched, it was Yankees were getting frustrated because every time they swung it, was just they were driving it straight, pounding it straight into the dirt. Yeah. They, what do they call that? The worm killers? Or? The, the worm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, they've got so many cliches in baseball. <laughs> but that's what it was. It was just the, yeah. it was matter. It doesn't matter how hard they they swung. It was just driving it straight into the ground. Weak grounder to short. Weak grounder to second. It was it was beautiful. It was it was great to see. Well, yeah, and and his debut in in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, he struck out two. Struck out two. He he was he was ramping up to ninety eight, ninety nine, and I mean, I know I sometimes disparage. Pat Tabler, but this I guess it was the first time Tabler had seen him. I, I didn't remember. I mean, obviously, Buck Martinez had done a few games in spring training, mm-hmm. and, and Martinez was raving about him, saying he should he should make the team out of Now, why would Tabler want to do research on a big Blue Jays prospect? Like well, that? no, it was the first him. time we'd seen him <laughs> live, and he he was blown away as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it does look so easy coming out of his hand. It doesn't look like he's doing a thing, and it just explodes out of his yeah. hand at, at 98, 99. It's a hard breaking ball. And too. then he's got that hard curve yeah, ball. That when were he they throws saying it, he throws it too hard, I think, they, they were saying on the broadcast? Well, I think he's, he's got two speeds. He throws yeah. two different curves, and he, you know, one's a bit harder, and then one's a kind of a softer backdoor. Um, 12-6? Yeah, I mean, and yeah. and when Tolly that one strikeout, Tolly just he laid the glove, you know, low and away, and this big bender right where his glove was, and, and it, was, it was outside. If you look at the pitch tracks, but you're going to get that call every yeah. time. If you hit that spot, you see it with Casey Jansen every time. If you consistently hit that spot, the umps are going to get. Yeah, it they're going to ring you up. Yeah. And it was the same in the spring training game in in the Big O in Montreal when Derek Chung set his glove up and he just threw this massive hook, and the and the guy had no clue. Yeah. I can't remember it was one of the Mets, just had no idea and. So it's mm-hmm. it's exciting, man. It, you know, we've been talking about this guy for it seems like forever now. When did he play for for Vancouver? Another uh, another Twitter phenomenon. I love because I I've got Tweet Deck. I don't know who else out there uses Tweet Deck, but I follow uh, the at Van Canadians. Uh, I've got one of them. You know that set up as one of my columns streaming, and every time Stroman pitches, everyone in Vancouver was there when he was here. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go. I can go through his stats in a second. And how many times he actually pitched in Vancouver was probably twice. But everybody in Vancouver was there. It was like yeah. everybody was at the Pacific Coliseum when Pebble Bury made his debut. <laughs> it must have been like two hundred thousand people in the Pacific Coliseum yeah. that night. But, um, yeah. So today it was uh, Twitter was a buzz for uh, the Vancouver Canadians mm. fans that all remember Sanchez from was it eleven or twelve? I guess I, I want to say twelve. Um, yeah, probably twelve. Yeah, him, Syndergaard, and uh, Nicolino. He he's kind of an unassuming character when you see him on the mound. Like, he's a tall guy, but you don't expect a hard breaking ball like that to come out of his hand. You know, he he's he's got a good kind of deception to him. I think then maybe it's just because he's new and the hitters don't know him. But I don't know. I, the Yankees broadcasters are going nuts. They I think they compared him to the the Jays version of Batances is what they said on their broadcast. Which he's not quite as tall as Dylan Batances, but he, hey, if you want to compare him to that, then yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's... they were they were blown away by his stuff. If the other teams are, are you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing Buck and Tabby go nuts about other teams' about, prospects. About the Yankees, yeah. <laughs> Even in that Boston series, they're like, oh, it comes back to the Yankees, and I'm, Twitter's just like, Christ's mm-hmm. sakes, this always have to be about the Yankees, yeah. Buck. Well, even um, in Jason Thirty, they <laughs> you, when you go home and watch it tonight, there there's a about a three minute clip of them gushing over Jeter, and he grounds out or he flies out to ghosts, and then later in the game they cut out like a bunch of walks and and stuff that actually sets up runs. They skip over it completely. Really? But they have a oh, they keep the three and a half minute clip of them just gushing over Derek Jeter. It's like I think it was <laughs> yesterday. I was watching it. And, uh, Buck, Sorry to anybody listening that likes Jeter. Yeah, Buck said. Derek Jeter should be the first person to go into the Hall of Fame 100% ballot. And it was like, uh, I just started banging my head off the floor like, Buck, would you just shut the <laughs> F up? Shut the buck up. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot stand to listen to you and your claptrap any longer. <laughs> if Greg Maddox didn't go in at 100% mm. last year or better than Steve Carlton, Derek Jeter, <laughs> he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, fine. Yeah. He's not a hundred percenter. Well, I love the last the, the plaque for Greg Maddox. I guess they released all the plaques today because the ceremonies. Yeah, uh, and the last line of Greg Maddox's uh, uh, plaque. I don't know how many gold gloves he won, but it's, it's like he, sixteen or eight, something. He's eighteen. It was ridiculous. So the last yeah. line is like, basically it's like, oh, by the way, it's like, oh yeah, and he won eighteen gold gloves. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay, and he and he's a better fielder than most shortstops in his day. Yeah, so just thought we'd throw that in at the end there. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I anyway. re I reread um I don't know if anybody else reads um J J Jaff on sportsillustrated.com. He um does his jaws system to rank Hall of Famers. So I reread his piece on on Greg Mannix and unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, he this is a guy that mixed an 86 to 88 mile an hour fastball through a bit of a curve, not much, you know, a cutter but he just picked guys apart. Well, just picked them apart, and he said, you know, they, they called him the, the professor, and I guess his quote was, well, you look pretty smart when you can throw your fastball wherever you want it, whenever you want it, and it's like, okay. It's like Mark Burley on steroids yeah, without the extra heat on the fastball, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's something about those Gregs. I think they're just all really smart. I think that's what it is. Well, good on Burley as well. I like that story of him taking all the rookies. I was like, oh, yeah, that's really nice of him to go out and buy these guys custom-made suits. And then I looked at his weight. He's making like 17 million bucks. Like, he should be buying me suits as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's a yeah, promo at the Sky Dome for, <laughs> provided really, by Mark Burley. That's really nice of you, Mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that cost you like a, a, a couple of innings worth of work right there. <laughs> oh, he's worth it, I think. He's been getting knocked around a bit lately, though. A little bit. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a case of dead arm or, you know. Or the case of the Yankee Stadium Blues. Yeah. Well, that one was a paint scraper, wasn't it? That was a paint scraper. If if Grant Hamans wasn't in uh, the (laughs) Nats, then Ichiro's definitely was. Grant Hamans would have been out at any MLB ballpark, (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Maybe not center field for most ballparks. It was a bomb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the to the C staff. We, mm-hmm. um, well, there was some changes this week. We, there were some changes. Yeah. Yes, Starlin Surreal. Who? Yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of people would like to say he's been the most consistent performer. I mean, he hasn't. Miguel Castro has been, but well, he hasn't had the highs or the lows, right? He, he's yeah, but Castro's been... only really had that one low. Other than that, mm-hmm. he's been fantastic. Um, but Surreal, he hasn't really done much of either. He's just not much of anything. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you're put it you're really not high on him. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I thought when I first heard it and then I kind of looked up 
what was going on in Lansing, and I saw Shane Dawson was on the DL. Um, I kind of figured it might be a, just a kind of a short-term thing, but who knows? I've been wrong once before. Um, only once? Only once. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he actually made his first start for the Lugs tonight. It was the second appearance. Went five innings, four hits, one run. So hmm. not bad. Midwest debut. Well, his debut was the other night. Um, Pitched in inning relief. Um, and he gets that solid lug nuts jersey that he can hang up on his wall when his career's over. Yeah, they don't get the jerseys, do they? I, I, I want to ask one of these guys. I think they get the hat. Obviously, they get the undershirt that they get. They do reuse the jerseys? Um, they either get reused or they go to auction, I think. Pretty sure. Bummer? Oh. Yeah, hey, it's minor league baseball, Greg. They don't have millions. <laughs> Yeah, only a couple thousands, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Um so huh. he so he made his debut. We we I saw you weren't there for the doubleheader on Thursday. Um I was gonna go, but then they started it earlier and I couldn't make it. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Case, the uh the New Brunswick curler, made his 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 starting debut, professional debut for the uh for the season. He's okay. You know, Good fastball. I, yeah, he's got a decent fastball. Yeah. Um you know, in in a relief role, he seems to be able to be a bit more aggressive and go he after hitters. He dials it up, yeah. whereas when he was starting, it was obviously, you know, it was more upper 80s than, than low 90s, and he was nibbling a bit more, um, kind of got himself in a bit of trouble. I did chart him. I don't have my spreadsheet up right now. I just remember thinking this is okay. I saw him for an inning. I, I was actually kind of impressed. I, I well, well, considering where he came from. Yeah, know, low I, expectations yeah, going yeah. into yeah. it, but I guess that's the biggest part of it. But I, I actually was pretty impressed with with what he showed me that night, at least. Yeah, I think it, I can't remember. Did he take the loss that that night? And then Chase Millard. He gave up the one home yeah. run. Uh, yeah. when I saw him, but that was his only blemish. Like, it was just one pitch that he hung. Well, they was that was Canada Day, wasn't it? Uh yeah I, I, yeah I think that was yeah, the one, yeah. when um uh, what's his name that shortstop hit hit bombs in consecutive games yeah they they end up winning that game though so he didn't get the loss um so he was good and then Chase Millard started the nightcap again he's okay you know mm-hmm. um and then you know what I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of Chase 2014 draft pick 14th round or something like that. um. And then Justin Schaefer, who's who's already up, so it looks like him and Millard and Schaefer are, are gonna are gonna kind of fill one of those spots, you know, that Toronto vacated weeks ago. That they've sort of been piggybacking since Any then. Any word on Toronto? They're just gonna try and use him as much as they can out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. build up his confidence a bit. Um, he he threw well after Case left. He he came in for a couple of innings. I thought he threw well. I was I was sitting down charting Case and. Kind of noticed it was Trotto up in the bullpen, so stayed down. He's got a he's got a nice fastball. He's got a nice slider. He's got a really violent crossfire delivery throw, which mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and this would be another thing that we will ask Chris yeah. um, when we get him on is, is is sort of what kind of does that action set him up for potential injuries down the road? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, it's been control for him that's been the issue thus far. You know, is is that sort of a a, de- a delivery that doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it any easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Daniel Leitz has been called up from Bluefield. He was with Vancouver earlier in the season, was sent down, um, um, has been called back up to presumably take Surreal's spot in the rotation. Um, 
Now, I wrote an article saying Daniel Leitz is a nice player, but if it were up to me, here's who I'd like to see. So go check that out at yourvanseas.com. Obviously, it was Matt Smoral. I'm not going to lie. So Smoral, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it rhymes with morale. Um, and then I said Jesus Tinoco, but Tinoco actually hasn't been that great. So I'd like to change my, um, my pick, if I can, to... <laughs> Actually, so I'm looking at you the, wrote the uh, article. How can you change your pick? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to write another article. Um, I'm looking at the um, at the Lansing Lugnets game today. They won in the 15th inning, three oh, two. Man, but uh, look look who had a stolen base here, Trevor Gretzky. <laughs> One for three for the Burlington Bees. He's still kicking around. Well, he must have been traded because he he was Burling- in the Cubs system. Yeah, Burlington's definitely not a Cubs affiliate, so. Uh, he was traded in the offseason, wasn't he, to the Angels, I believe. Well, he's back in L.A. with his pop. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to the Bluefield box score now. Bear with me, people. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Daniel Evans, but I don't want to have another brain cramp who's been very good thus far for for uh, Bluefield. Another left-hander. Um, uh, sorry, Evan Smith. Daniel Evans, there you go. I, wasn't near, I was nowhere near it. <laughs> Uh, five hits, no anyway. runs, one walk, one strikeout. So there are some guys down there in Bluefield that uh, you se- choose over. Segwaying, yeah, I'd choose over segwaying to our our next, you know, Zachary Wasilewski, mm. who was very good, you know, or not very good, but pretty good to start the season. Tonight's game, he didn't. Mm-hmm. He lasted a third of an inning, one hit, uh, four runs, three, three earned with four walks. You know, he's just. Well, then I saw his start before that against Hillsborough, which was not pretty. Yeah, and I I charted which one did I chart the um, no I was that the one that we were both at, and I was downstairs charting. No, okay. Well, I charted the Eugene one, I think. Um, okay, and yeah, he just yeah, you weren't he, at the last one. He lost his his release point sort of midway through. He was working well with his office fastball early, and then lost it kind of second, third, fourth inning, and had to go to the breaking ball probably more than he wanted to. Um, you know, what we're on a one, two, three, four, five game kind of run now where he's been pretty not so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven runs and in three innings against Spokane. And uh, you didn't get the chance to see any of his early on starts where he was doing really well. No, I saw one where I got there kind of in the last couple of innings he threw. Yeah. So he's really struggling. So you kind of maybe think that they'll do the phantom DL just to give him a bit of a break, get his head mm-hmm. sort of, you know, phantom kind of, DL. yeah, get him, get him sort of back, you know, head screwed on straight, try and get him a bit more confidence. Um, in which case, you know, who knows, they might look to the bullpen to piggyback a couple of games in, in his stead, or we might see someone from Bluefield. I'm glad in here. It'd be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. I mean, it's it's been a bit of a funny year because they last year there was there seemed to be draft picks kind of trickling in for quite a while, but this year after the draft, a couple guys showed up, and then we were all sort of waiting for Pentecost, so focusing on that mm-hmm. entirely. But nobody else has really shown up, and it's, I've, I I honestly expected more from this year's draft than what we've had. There's a there's a kid called Gunner Height, H E I D T. So I may have said that wrong. Um, who is 21 out of junior in college, who I thought for sure would end up here, but he's been in the GCL for the last five. He signed late. Um, Maybe it has something to do with the Canadian success, you know? Why mess with a good thing if, yep. they're, if they're going well? That's entirely possible, but, you know, 
minor league baseball. They don't, you know, players' development is is more sort of at the forefront of their minds. So I'm sure the coaches have something in their ear saying, you know, hey, I, we don't really need this guy. Like, why would you send him to us when we're doing so well? Possibly. <laughs> I know they don't take too I'm, much. I'm guessing uh, no, but yeah, <laughs> it's they possible. Well, I'm sure they say it. Yeah, but I'm sure you know Doug Davis and they're going ultimately they're going to do what's the best. Clayton McCullough, yeah. you know the field corners, kind of would then say, "Well, screw you! You're getting this guy, and you'll integrate him how we <laughs> tell you to." You know, hopefully uh, they say it a little nicer. Than well, that. yeah, hopefully. But uh, John Schneider, I think, can be uh, he can be a bit. He's a he's a he's a bit of a firebrand. I think he's on the field can be a good thing. Yep. Yeah, he's pretty intense, and I think uh, yeah, he probably he probably tells it how it is. When I think they have a, a weekly call or something like all the all the minor league affiliates, but obviously they do game reports after every game and send that back to the minor league coordinator, whether it's whether it goes straight to Charlie Wilson mm-hmm. or the field coordinator, who is Doug Davis. I'm, I might have got that one wrong as well, or Clayton. You know, and they and then they kind of get together, and obviously they're roving around, mm-hmm. getting their eyes on these guys as well. Um, so they, I mean, they've got an idea where players will end up, um, eventually. Did you get a chance to look at the Hillsborough pitching or the coaching staff? No. J.R. House was the manager. <laughs> who was like, what, two years out of live action? <laughs> playing really? Like, well, yeah, he played for the Astros, what, three years ago, two years ago? I think I told you this about four podcasts ago, Greg. What? If we're going to talk about the Astros, let's talk about Altuve. That's all I want to talk about. <laughs> Well, they also had their pitching coach was Doug Drabeck. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he has a bit of a Blue Jays connection. He's there. got a Blue Jays connection. Um, and oh, it was uh, Mark Grace, Mark was Grace, their hitting coach. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so um, a bit of a star-studded coaching staff. Well, it was really Newbies, funny because uh, when Eugene were in town, I was looking at their coaches, and Tim Raines was was mm. in town as a, as the instructor with the Jays, and he was chatting to somebody. So. I was like, well, where's this connection? So I baseball referenced the pitching coach. And he was in the Expos organization. He was signed as a non-drafted free agent by the Expos. Never played. I think he ended up playing for San Diego, which is Eugene's parent club. So right. that's where the connection is. But maybe Reigns knew him, you know, from back in the day. And then, um, yeah, I was looking around and then, um, oh, my God, I'm having my second brain cramp of the week. Oh, man, you said you only have one. I know. What a liar. Um <laughs> Who was the second baseman for the Jays back in the day? The really um, great fielder. Uh, Bordick? No, Bordick. <laughs> Russ Adams? Um, You're thinking, uh, I'm in a different era than you. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Alomar? Crap, no, this is going to bug me. <laughs> Hopefully it's not Alomar. Anyways, um, so I was chatting with the uh, the announcer, um, and he, he loves him. Yeah, he's, oh, he's the greatest guy, always smiling. It looks really bad that you can't think of his name. Yeah, I know. Very unprofessional. Very, very unprofessional. So let's sit here and wait while Charlie Googles. Well, no, let's talk about something else while I Google this. <laughs> um, I want to see you squirm a little bit, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else can we talk about? Jonathan Davis and his broken hand. Yeah, we were both there, weren't we? Mm-hmm. And he, he sort of swung, and it looked like he got jammed a bit, but didn't the pitch didn't actually hit him in the hand. No, he just, it was just a regular swing, and... I, maybe one of the scouts or somebody beside us mentioned, oh, his hand's broken, I guess. I was like, what? How, like, how could he break his hand? He just took a swing. So I'm thinking that maybe he, he injured it before and just aggravated it and tried to play through it. But he may have just broken his hand on the swing. Like, I guess it's possible, but 
It, yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah, but he, so he's got a broken bone in his hand. Uh, Homer Bush. How could I forget Homer, Homer Bush? Bush? The great second baseman of Blue Jay uh, lore. And where else did he play with the Mets? And he's about as relevant as Howie Clark. Like I just, I loved <laughs> Homer Bush. He was a great, great second baseman. He played the game. You know, it was, it was, he was having fun whenever he was playing. Okay, um, Homer Bush. And then Nelson Cruz is their hitting coach, which we've—I think we discussed this on a different podcast—isn't Nelson Nelson Cruz? <laughs> so you go play for the Yankees, the Blue Jays, Florida, and then back to the Yankees. Um, so yeah, he could have broken his hand, but he's got a—he's got a, a small break in his hand. Not on the DL, I understand. But not on the DL. They're hoping it's not that bad. So it's but, different than Laurie's broken hand. Well, that's. Uh, <laughs> To me, it sounds ridiculous. You know, like, oh, maybe he can come back, but it's a broken hand. <laughs> you know, hands are funny. If anyone's broken their hand before, you know that you're not going to be able to swing a bat for a few weeks at least. So it's I'm probably sh- never going to feel the yeah. same. Well, this season, probably not yeah. because short season's so quick. You know, I mean, 2000 and. Well, anytime you break the little bones, like, it takes forever to yeah. like, fully heal. And I think it's on the underside of his hand, so it's tough to cast that. I guess you get your little half cast or whatever on your pinky finger down yeah. to your wrist. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was Don Pompey when he was in Vancouver, broke his hamate bone in his hand, and they they assumed he was out for the rest of the season, and he ended up coming back for the Is last... Is that how you pronounce it? Hamate? Oh, my God. Don't get me that. Samarja. <laughs> Samarja. I thought it was hamate. The hamate. <laughs> I'm not a medical doctor, Greg. Uh, uh bone. Um, and they I'm assumed, not a doctor either. I don't know. How to they assumed it. he was going to be out for the rest of the season, but he ended up coming back. And but never, no, not to Vancouver. He played a couple of games in Bluefield and then went to Lansing mm-hmm. for the for the rest of the season. And that's the last we've seen of Don Pompey, unfortunately. When, um, until he cracks the 2014 Toronto Blue Jays, 15, sorry, 2015 Toronto Blue Jays. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself. There's no <laughs> way he's going to do that. Uh, but Colby's going to be gone, so someone's going to have to play center field next Roman year. Roman Fields. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although he has been impressive. I like. He's been I very like good. He's, he's, he's excellent. He's, for a first-year pro. Yeah, for a first-year pro. He, he's, he, like Pentecost, is, um, has kind of fallen off a bit. Um, mm. just but I love it. telling his story to people. <laughs> have we said it on the podcast? Have we? No, well, you know it better than I have. I, um, I haven't really... I, I know he was on BC, BC TV, did a little spot on him, but I didn't... Well, he was I, a mailman, right? That yeah, was, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he went from being a mailman last year at this time to playing professional ball this year. And how old is he? 21? 23, I 20, Oh, he's older, okay. Yeah, 23. So he, um, he's not ridiculously old for this no. league. Um, hang on, I've, I've got him on baseball reference right now. We've got him at 1.7 years above the average age. So a little bit older, mm-hmm. but considering... He's closer to the McBroom side of things than he is to the Barreto side of things. Well, yeah, but like you said, <laughs> considering he was playing, you know, it was a high level of baseball, but it was men's baseball, you know, and then he went to, I guess someone convinced him to go to a kind of a camp or a... Was it like so, an open tryout? Open or? tryout or a selection camp or something like that, and the Blue Jay scout took notice and, and signed him. Huh. So I yeah, go to one of these camps. <laughs> yes, well... <laughs> and make embarrass myself in front of some scouts. Well, that was I would be insidiously embarrassed. Um, <laughs> but he's fast. Like, oh, he's, he's he's ridiculously fast. Yeah. I've never seen anyone that fast. Yeah. Um, not he only must have been delivering mail in like <laughs> a second. Well, I think I, I think mailmen, you sort of get your route and you get your mail. So 
if it's the quicker you can when, do it, the, the better. quicker you can do it, the better. Yeah. yeah, just like the refs at my men's league hockey, they don't care if they drop the puck as fast as they can because they get paid by the game. Yeah. So if it gets done earlier, they get they get more of a break. Yeah. They're not getting paid by the hour. Yeah. So uh, well, yeah, men's right. men's rec hockey refs they basically take the whole game as a break. So yeah, I, but <laughs> but Fields he must have been the quickest posty in the greater Seattle area, <laughs> if not the entire Pacific Northwest. Because he is absolutely rapid. And yeah. it's not just on the base pass. I mean, in center field, he, you know, yeah. I haven't seen him take a bad route to the ball yet. Yeah. Um, and with the bat, he, he's held his own. Like, he's, Yeah, he's he, he, gets, he gets good breaks in the outfield. He's got a pretty decent arm, actually, from, mm-hmm. from what I've seen. And, and he never played, like, and he didn't didn't get scouted when he was younger. He didn't. He went to a ridiculously small school in Kansas, I believe, some small mm-hmm. um, Catholic school, who and they just played local schools in the in the area, like a Div three, hmm. whatever. And so, yeah, never got scouted. Um, I guess it's another case of that low expectation kind of thing. You didn't really expect much from him, and he's been he's been good. Yeah, that's exactly that. So. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I I was just looking at stats here. I thought he, I had in my head that he's been falling off a bit, but he's he's been fine. What right? if you you did the advanced stat roundup a little while ago? What did it say about Fields? Did it did it say anything positive? Or I don't know if you can think back that that far. The advanced stat. Well, you did like a, a you did your own stat calculations that they don't really. Oh yeah, well his he sort of I think he loses out a bit on. When you're talking about like WRC, you know, weighted mm-hmm. runs created, yeah. he loses out a bit because he doesn't hit for a, a ton of power. No. Um, well, what's his isolated power? It's pretty low, right? Yeah, it's it's gonna it's well. He, he's, he's, a, he's a slasher. He he starts with he's got a very wide base, and he and he brings his foot in. Um, I mean, he'll pull his head through and pull his hands through mm-hmm. if he gets an inside pitch and, and he looks to drive it, kind of like that. I hate to stereotype it, but kind of like that Japanese swing, like same with Kawasaki and, and Ichiro. They're they're looking to go the other way. They're looking mm-hmm. to make contact, but they'll they'll keep a defense honest by by pulling their hands through and look mm-hmm. to yank something inside. Um, Fields is the same way. Um, his ISO is point oh seven eight. So yeah, not yeah. great. Um, but he's walking at nine percent clip, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to put him up anywhere near the league lead, mm-hmm. but. You know, the more he gets on the base, on bases, the better. Yeah. Um, he's there for the speed factor. Yeah. Fields. I mean, he's leading the league by uh, by a mile in stolen bases. Only been caught five times. I saw one of his caught, and it was on a pitch out, and he was safe. Just oh. the umpire was an asshole and <laughs> called him out. Um, wow. So that's inside information you wouldn't see on the box. You, score. you wouldn't see on the box box score. I think I did tweet at the time that everybody in the park. Knew he was safe, except for the one guy who was quite, the only one that matters. <laughs> quite obviously blind. Um, but a good segue, Roman Fields. He made the All Star team. Yes, he's one of seven Canadians, and deservedly so. Yeah. Like we've been saying, he he's been very good. Who else made it? Well, seven. So uh, Miguel Castro, Hiro. Uh, Is that how you pronounce the first? Hiro Labort. I'm going to make you say it wrong. Gyro. Uh, gyro. No, it's Hiro. <laughs> Hiro Labort. Uh, Francisco Grosesqui, who who is up now, he went up with uh, Surreal and he pitched tonight too. I think he got the yeah. win, so he won't be yeah. going to that, I assume. Uh, and then of the position players, Franklin Barreto, Ryan McBroom, Tim LaCastro, the second baseman, and Mister Roman Fields, who we just talked about. So a lot of Canadians made it, um, and of course the coaching staff as well. John Schneider, 
uh, Jeff Ware, both going to be there. You know what? They must be, they'll probably be putting a bus on, won't they? <laughs> the whole bus of them are going to be heading down. And they won't be getting the break that they probably want more than actually playing in the All-Star game. Right. It's in I Eugene mean, this year. It's in Eugene. Where are they right now? They're in Spokane. Because the C's have two buses, so I guess they're going to make everybody else squeeze in the other in the one, send them back to Vancouver, and then the the seven plus well not seven six because Grzeski's up in Lansing, plus the coaches get to uh, loll about in comfort in the other bus and, and head on down to Eugene. Whole bus to themselves. Yeah, um, um, it's August fifth is the date. If you're thinking of going to the All Star Game, I guess I I could think of worse places to take a road trip than Eugene, <laughs> and it's meant to be quite nice down there. There you go. Um, Lots of Canadians to check out. Stop through Seattle, Portland. Um, check out the Canadians. I think that the seven was tops in the league with Hillsborough, I believe. Also had seven. Obviously, you know, Hillsborough's it's, sort of a mediocre team. I'm surprised they have. No, they won. They won. Oh, the, they won. Uh, their, yeah, okay. they won the South Division. They they as well tied, I believe, with Boise, um, and they had the tiebreaker, okay. or they ended up winning it by game. Either way, they were the South Division champions okay. and have gotten off to a decent start. Obviously, they, they beat to the Seas here in Vancouver, which is the first time Vancouver's lost a five-game series in two years, I believe. Wow. Um, they destroyed them the game I went to. <laughs> yeah, six errors, I think you said. Which, six errors. The first yeah. time since 2010 that the Canadians have committed six errors in the game, and they were six errors. Were they, <laughs> were they bad? <laughs> they were pretty bad. I was uh, getting on the score a bit. Via Twitter, not to his face, of course. <laughs> he stabbed me in the eye with his pencil. Um, about some of the non-errors he was he was letting the Canadians off with. Mm. You didn't really have a choice for these six errors. Really? They, they, were, they were dead cert. I think they're mostly on throws. So they're just getting away from, from everyone. Really? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't pretty, and yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't go to that game because it. Well, it, like it, it didn't. Was what it did, it, it didn't help Wazalewski's night. You know, it, it all came to a head in the one inning where he gave up six runs. And I think they committed two errors in that inning. Really? And then later in the game, they committed three errors in one inning and didn't get scored on. <laughs> so that's your minor league baseball uh, story right there. You can commit three errors in one inning and not give up a single run. <laughs> they stranded two runners in the inning. So that was uh, an interesting one. I don't. I've never seen that before in my life, and that's... I guess they say that's why you go to ball games because you have a chance to see something you've never seen before. Exactly. And I've never seen a team give up three errors in one inning and not get scored on. But Canadians did it. And, just and still I... still give up 13 runs in the game. <laughs> <laughs> but just while I've got the Fangrass page up yeah. uh, with the C's, just quickly going back to Pentecost, um, he's only walking at 4.1% rate, which is not great. Mm. Um and his ISO is only .065, which is below Roman Fields, who I said was 078. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were hoping maybe he'd get himself on base a bit more. He's only striking out 10% of the time, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, getting the ball in plays, his average is 326, which kind of inflates, you know, the OBP. Um, so, yeah. We're kind of hoping that maybe he'd, he'd be driving the ball a bit more. But. I think that's the first time I've ever seen you quote Average before. Yeah, I know. I, I do tend to shy away from average, <laughs> don't I? Um, You're not a traditionalist. No. Ah, everyone likes batting average. Yeah, I don't know how much the listeners of the podcast are into statistics, but I'm, sh- I'm certain if they're looking into Canadians' prospects and they're 
not in Vancouver, they're probably into statistics pretty pretty well. Well, it's hard. These advanced stats require a kind of a park factor as well, mm-hmm. and you don't know how accurate it is for these lower levels. You know, I've tried to go through some of the calculations and work backwards for for things like you know weighted runs created or, or weighted on base average. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, it'll be a it'll be a constant process. And in fact, that reminds me, I wanted to, to email Fangraphs just to see where they get their data mm-hmm. for you know and how they kind of warehouse the data for these lower levels. Um, so yeah, I, I guess average is is the easiest, and then mm-hmm. you get on base. We know it's tangible. You know, we know exactly what goes into it. Yeah. Um, slugging, and then you got your your OPS. So it those are the easiest thing to to measure these by, and and by those factors, Ryan McBroom has been the best player on the seas. Which, whenever I get this article done, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll kind of not kind of look to see what you know what he needs to do going forward. But he's another guy that you know, even though he's been fantastic, I I can't see him going anywhere. He was a, a pick, you know, you inserted on a very first podcast. He was a, a Vancouver Canadiens pick right. through and through. As soon as they picked him, you knew exactly what he was for. He's going to Vancouver. Gonna he's going to help them win a fourth championship, hopefully, yeah. and then, then we'll see what happens the following season. I was going to ask, though, like, is this year change the way they look at him? Like, he's been so good. He, like you said, he's probably been one of the best, the best hitter on the Canadiens this year. Well, no, Bredo's, Bredo's the best hitter, um, pure hitter. Pure hitter, yeah. Um, no, I don't think it'll change their their viewpoint. I got some video of him. I'm going to get that up on my site soon. Um, he's got a long swing. He eats fastballs at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once he gets up to, you know, when pitchers start adjusting to him, he's going to have to make the necessary adjustments. And it doesn't look likely he'd be well, able to Well, no, do that. I'm not saying that. Maybe he will. You know, maybe, maybe he will, but his swing kind of, to me, lends me to think that he'll struggle a bit. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a bit longish. Um, mm-hmm. He'll need to shorten it up and look to make more contact um, well, as, I, he, as he progresses. Yeah, I read an article. Cam Tucker's been at the games recently um, for Metro News here in Vancouver, and he'd had an article on McBroom, and he, he interviewed him, and he, you know, he went to school, and he, he made sure. Yes, he got drafted before he went to school, but didn't take it. Because he, he he knew he was sort of a fringe kind of guy, uh, and wanted to get his education, and you know I guess the way he made it sound in the article, like he wasn't taking it that seriously. But hey, he's gonna give professional ball a chance, and you know see how it goes. But he has the schooling to fall back on. So even in the article, some of the quotes came off as expectations from himself aren't really that high. He's just gonna come here and try to rake and then see where it goes. Oh, yeah. But. If he doesn't really have those, I guess they've kind of took him aside and said, hey, we don't expect that much out of you, but hey, we'll put you down here in, in low A and see what you can do. Yeah, I don't it's know It's kind of the impression I mean, that I yeah, got. Yeah, I mean, as I said, for first baseman, it's so hard. You, you, Your bat has to play at such an elite level. Um, look at Jordan Leland from, uh, last season, the first half, when he was promoted even prior to the first half. Um, promoted to Lansing. You know, didn't do. He did okay, and then went to spring training this year. And I think they they probably hinted that he was headed back to Lansing. And he said, "No, I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm. I don't want to go back there. I'm going to mm-hmm. get married, and I want to be a fireman and yeah. start his life. So maybe McBroom sort of thinking along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. Just see how far it takes him. And- yeah, it's. But it's, it must be a grind, man, being a minor league baseball player if you're drafted in the 15th round and get paid. I mean, his slot was 100k." 
who knows if that's what he got. You know, I'm uh, no idea. Easier you know, job than most. Beats lifting stuff. It does, but <laughs> you know, making hundred. If, if he didn't get a hundred grand, if he got, you know, tiddlywinks, then he's <laughs> he's in Vancouver slogging away for whatever they make. I've got no idea, like five hundred bucks a week or whatever it is, you know. And then got to go off and get That's a it? job. No, they don't get paid nothing, man. Even they, Pentecost, the guys, guys like highly touted. I'm guessing they're all in the same. It's it's, it's one way. So bonus, right? It's all in the signing bonus. Yeah. So Pentecost has got three million bucks in the bank. You know, whereas guys like McBroom or the even the lower guys, the non-drafted free agent guys, have got Dick. Um, yeah. You know, they're all probably making the same wage this year. They're taking a flyer on the Canadians as much as the Canadians are taking a flyer on them. <laughs> they're just well, playing for the sake of. Well, no, they're they playing do. to develop. And, and move up because if the you know I'm sure they're not thinking I got to get to Lansing so I can make seven fifty a week they're thinking I need to get to Lansing so then I can get to Dunedin yeah. and keep developing. Well, that's why anyone plays ball in college. Yeah. That's why they play ball because of the potential to make more money. Well, not just that, but yeah, yeah, exactly to get to where they want to go, which is which is the major leagues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. McBroom's been great defensively. He's not great. He's a first baseman. He's a what first baseman, yeah. Batista's he, playing first base at the major league level, so what does that tell you? Batista, was a, he's a good fielder, man. There's he blew one bit. the other night. He just missed it. Yeah, that was funny, actually, because <laughs> Buck's like, oh, yeah, I threw in the dirt, and then you saw the, saw the replay. Yeah. He's like, nah, that just he just missed it. <laughs> that was right there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I think they're talking about maybe putting Batista back at third for a bit, aren't they? Oh. If, if Reimold is the first one back out yeah. of all the uh, – people in the sick bay if if no mm-hmm. one comes back first then batista moves to third and rymon goes to right so well the, i don't haven't done a lot of blue jays work in my day but the one guy i did get to talk to was batista and i talked to him about playing different positions and he basically he didn't want to come out and say that right field he, he only wants to play right field he, he, he made it sound like oh i'll do whatever's best for the team you know i'll do this he made it sound good but the impression I got was he does not like playing other positions unless it's he, he has to do. You know, yeah. He'll do it, but only if it's you know no other option. He's got to do it. You know, other other otherwise he wants to play right field, which makes sense. It's where he's he's the best at. It's his it's his home. But I just every time they screw him around like this and they stick him at first or they stick him at third, I just cringe because well, I know deep down he, he's. The team needs him to play third, and, and yeah, he'll do he's it. getting paid whatever he's getting paid. I Go. know, but I just with your star like that, I don't, I don't want to mess around like that. I guess the look at the Tigers, you know, they they move around Cabrera third and first all the time. I'm sure he loves playing first a lot more than he likes playing third. But for, <laughs> for a couple of years, well, that there. was yeah the, the lesser of two evils. You yeah. got two guys that probably can't play third. Prince Fielder definitely can't play third. So <laughs> sorry, Fatso, you're going to have to go play third. <laughs> what? That's probably why they move. I got to get off the corn dogs. But every time they move him, I know deep down Batista does not like playing first and third. Well, yeah, apparently Laurie doesn't like playing second, but you know what? (laughs) Got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. To make the big bucks. Um, Just as an interlude, I'm sure we're, are we wrapping up pretty soon? Yeah, I think we're, we pretty much covered everything we wanted to. Your, your, um, your lady friend is going to get herself blocked if she doesn't quit tweeting about big brother <laughs> i'll make sure she hears this. yeah can you uh you're not a big brother fan are you oh my god 
And, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put that just below someone tweeting me about how I have to take the Lord and Savior into my life. Wow, you're gone. That's high up there. <laughs> that, that, no, that speaks a lot right there. Someone is. I forgot that um I've got this. I I interviewed Tim Raines when he was in town last week, and we talked about you know, base stealing and, and what he does with these guys and specifically, you know, DJ Davis and Lansing and, and what he's done with Dalton Pompey. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to sit here and, and talk to specifics, but I was talking to Tim Raines, yeah. who is one of my heroes growing up. What did he say about Davis? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, you know, he said, look, he's he's really raw. He He said a lot of what we know. He, he said, you know, like, here's this kid that's a first-round draft pick out of Mississippi, he played like 20 games a year in high school. That's all he played. You know, he didn't go to the, any of the big showcases. That was the word when they drafted him. It was super raw. <laughs> yeah. So so that's exactly what Rain yeah. said. Like, people expect this kid to be in AA by now, but he's never he's not going to get there anytime soon because he just doesn't have kind of that baseball mouse yet, you know, that sense. Mm. Um, and so we just sort of talked about what he tries to impart on him and – you know, Tim was always, and I'm I'm actually reading the Jonah Carey book right now, Up, Up, and Away, mm-hmm. which you know, despite Reigns obviously had some off off field struggles when he was when he's with the with the Expos in his early days, but even from when he was called up at twenty or twenty one, I think it was, he was a student of the game, and that's kind of what he tries to impart mm-hmm. on these kids. He doesn't kind of his coaching methods not to tell them exactly this is how you stand, this is what you do. He's trying to let them know that, you know, you need to be switched on all the time because you could be learning at any second. You could pick up something. So when you're in the dugout, you should be watching the pitcher. When you're on on the bases, all the time, you should be looking, learning, taking things in. And that's kind of what he tries to get Mm -hmm. across to, to these young guys. But, you know, Dalton, he was, he raved about, Pompey, you know, just said, look, here's this kid's similar situation, you know, came from a Canadian program, which they wouldn't have played as much as their American counterparts, mm-hmm. but it's just clicked for him. And he's, he said he's not only flat out fast, but just a great base runner, mm-hmm. you know, knows what he's doing, has taken it upon himself to study pitchers, study their habits. You know, he's, he's actually, um, you know, considering how how well he did in the um, Florida State League, he, Pompey's been, I think he got caught stealing again today, which is a 6 CS out of 13. <laughs> so definitely not, you know, his Dunedin-like numbers. But mm-hmm. Interesting to hear that from Reigns, though, as, as a coach. Like, that's his mentality as a coach, because I guess it should be for most coaches. When you get to this point, like, speaking from my experience as a coach with goaltenders, it's, it gets to a point when they hit a certain age where – you you can't really teach them anything new. They know what works for them. Yeah. It's a, it's more about mental preparation. You know, tricks and tips you can teach someone how to be prepared for the game and just getting stronger. Like <laughs> that's really what it comes to when you're a coach. That's that's basically you're just guiding them in in the right direction. And yeah. it's interesting to hear it from a, a should be Hall of Famer. That's that's the way he goes about it. A, he should be a dead cert Hall <laughs> of Famer. And, and these new rules that are now limiting it to ten years eligibility is probably can. You know, may mean that he he won't be in the Hall of Fame, which is an absolute travesty. But by the time you get to Double A, like you know how to stand in the box, you know what yeah. what works. You best know what for you. you know what exactly yeah. exactly that. You've he's had not, success he, before, obviously, gonna, to get to Double A. You know, a hitting coach probably isn't going to change your <laughs> tweak uh, it. Maybe tweak it here and there. You know, like like uh, just before I spoke to uh, Reigns, I I spoke to Siggy's hitting coach Dave Dave Pano, and and we talked about 
Barreto's got quite an exaggerated leg kick. And I was like asking him, like, you know, when he struggled, it seems like he's not getting it, his timing down. He's not getting his hands through. Mm. And he said, yeah, you know, it, it, it's pretty big. Um, we're trying to get him to start it a bit earlier, you know, get his foot down earlier, which is always what any hitting coach will tell you about any hitter. Yeah. Get your foot down early. Get your Keep your hands back. Get your hips going through. Generate that power. Generate. Generate. But yeah. get your foot down early so that, you know, you're not kind of lunging at balls. That's you, what Batista did. Like, yeah. They, like, look at that as your, your prime example, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was what, what they're trying to do for Bredo. They're not trying to change. He's got a really open stance, and then he brings it in. That was what my initial question was like. You know, when, most people, when you see they've got an open stance, they kind of close it and then maybe do a toe tap. He does a really large leg kick. Um, so they're not trying to change it. They're just trying to get him started early, get his yeah. foot down, which is exactly what Batista, you're right, um, what, what he did. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting talking to, talking to Tim. I, here I'm calling Tim. Um, <laughs> Your buddy Tim? My buddy Tim. Um, <laughs> I I like to think he recognized me because we had a good chat last year about the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, it was just great talking about DJ and and Dalton and and how you know the, his philosophy of coaching him is that he's not going to say you know physically this is what you need mm-hmm. to do. He's it's more of a mental approach to the game, yeah. how you can learn, how you can sort of take things in, um, and then go from there. So hmm. he hasn't given up on DJ. So I'm. Well, a coach is never really going to give up. Well, no, yeah, guy. exactly. You know, he's not going to say this guy's dog shit. We're, we should cut him loose. <laughs> well, he um, might if he's. Well, a he jerk. might if I took him out to the <laughs> to beer craft and uh, fed him a few bomber ESBs. Guess what, Tim Raines. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. They've they've been moving DJ Davis around the uh, the order lately. Not not leading him off, which maybe take a bit of pressure off him. I don't know. They hit him down in the order, like sixth, seventh, um, hmm. and then uh, we've already discussed Pompey. So, are you scared as the deadline approaches that uh, you might be losing one of these guys down in the minors? Somebody might not for me from the Canadians, but somebody that we've no, seen before. I'm not scared at all. Actually, I'm, yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't study other teams and and trade kind of partners enough to think. This guy could be had, you know. I'd, obviously, I'd you know you couldn't get away from the Samarja rumors, and then well, as Drupal Cabrera was the new name today. Yeah, he's the new name today. Obviously, Chase Headley was a bit of a flavor, and the Yankees gave up nothing really to get him. Um, and the Jays apparently had very minimal on the board where they could have given up for him, and they passed on it. Yeah, so and he's got a bad back, you know. The I backs hate aren't every time with. the Jays try to acquire somebody, our name comes up. I see all the comments about, oh, well, what if he plays on turf? Get over it. The Jays play on turf. You're going to have to acquire somebody eventually. Everyone new that comes up is going to have to play on the turf. Uh, it shouldn't be a deterrent to whether you should get a guy or not, if he has injury prone or not. Like At some point, you're get, you're just going to have to go with it. Uh, this is the turf you play on and, and live with it. If he gets injured, he gets injured. You know, Try to your best to to keep him off it, I guess. You know, pinch... You know, pinch hit or pinch run. Uh, DH every now and then. Yeah, and DH every now and then, or you know, defensive replacement late in the games if he if he really is that injury prone. But you know, a guy like Chase Headley, I, oh, the only reason you don't want to acquire him when there's a there's a glorious offer on the board is because he has a a bad back and you play on turf. Like, that, that's a, that's a BS excuse for me. I, well, yeah, I, every, we, I see it every we, time. We don't know. We don't know what's going through. I know players mind. hate it, and it's it's known that players yeah. hate it. But like, really, like, suck it up. <laughs> You're gonna. 
Yeah, I'm playing, telling major league players to suck it up. But you're you're playing major league ball, no matter what the the, the arena is, you know. And I think that's all you should win ball games. Like, that's all it comes down to. That's all you, you should want to play for a winning ball club. It doesn't matter where they play. Well, no yeah. one would sign in Tampa Bay if if they didn't want to, you know. And I think Toronto's position this year may very well sort of be a, a bit make it a bit less of a deterrent for players to come here. Mm-hmm. But going back to your question, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to see Daniel Norris traded. I don't want to no. see Dalton Pompey traded. But if that's what it takes to get them over the top, and they are in a very good position right now, I mean, they've hopefully that swoon they had in in June is was the last of it. And now, you know, Reimold is apparently close. Yeah. He'll be back for hopefully this Boston series. He was good before he went down, and he was good. Um, I mean, obviously, Encarnacion's had a bit of a setback, which is not good. But Lind isn't far away. We it's almost hope. like you. Why would you need to make a deal? You well, have yeah, I mean, Laurie's going to have to do a rehab stint, so he's a few weeks away. Um, but then, you know, Morrow's starting to throw off the mound. You know, I don't think I'm not sure what sort of impact he can make. But out of the bullpen, you think yeah, that's an option? Out of the bullpen. I mean, you, you have to remember of that. You know the bullpen that we expected to be with this year, both now Santos and Delabar in Bloody Buffalo. So <laughs> it is Bloody Buffalo. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know another right-handed arm out of the bullpen would be would be great. Mm-hmm. You know, one that they could trust. Obviously, and he can dial up a bit more too. You know, he, he does try to hold back a bit when he's starting. Yeah, um, I wouldn't want him to dial it up because of his struggle, his arm struggles. But. So I don't know. We're dreaming here. That's a best case scenario. You get him back, and, and he's effective. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they may very well have to make a trade, and it may include Hopefully, some yeah. of these prospects <laughs> that I've kind of penciled into their lineup come 2015, 2016. But hopply, it's a middle for a minute, middle infielder that uh, can play yeah, a second could, or pitching. <laughs> they can always use pitching help. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's when is the deadline? Thirty first. I think so. Yeah. Well, there's two deadlines, right? There's the well, the, the, waiver, the non-waiver, 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 and then and then, and then the waiver through deadline. August. I guess Anthopoulos, well, after the non-waiver, he puts them all through waivers, doesn't he? Yeah. Even well, you can pull them back as soon as. But as soon as someone claims, he yeah. pulls them back. So basically, just tries smart, to shove them the through. Thing and, to do. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like you said, it's not going to affect the seas. The seas, we hope, or uh, let's yeah, before we go, so. let's <laughs> let's give a live update. So I was just looking at a picture of Tim Rames. I tell you, those Expos hats, the tricolor hats, were. Yeah, you were lost in his eyes. I think a little. Yeah, bit. I think I was kind of falling back in love a bit. Yeah, <laughs> remembering your childhood. Oh, my! The the one time I was at the Big O, he hit a home run off the, uh, off the foul pole. It was amazing. Ah, there you go. C's update. They lost. Four two. Yeah, it was four nothing last week. I would hit the uh, Spokane Indians seven five, but uh, ended mm. up losing four two. Any errors? Two, in fact, yeah. There you go. Let also, me guess. I'm going to go Bredo had one. Yep, 17. His 17th of the year on the throw, and Vasquez <laughs> had the other. Also, a shout-out to the staff at the Vancouver Canadiens games. My my favorite moment, I guess, <laughs> maybe not of the action on the field, but on the side in terms of the presentation, was when Mark Biggs came into the game. And they played a couple biggie tracks on the, the PA system. It was all biggie, so I, that was a good personal touch, I think. For they, him they do tend to do some nice personal touches yeah. on the music. I quite enjoyed that. Was, 
Well, it looks like Toronto threw a couple innings tonight. Had a couple of strikeouts, so no no runs. That's good. Well, there's silver it, linings. This is the second half, though, and they're going to have to start putting up some wins. They want to get that four peat. Yeah, let's do a quick uh, Northwest League. Well, they're under five hundred now for the second half. What are they three and three and five for the second yeah. half? But Spokane were one and four. They lost to um, Tri City. There you go. So there you go. The, um, the but they Everett don't have to worry Aquasox. about. It. They can go one and twenty five and still make it. <laughs> so the C's are going to be two games back to the Everett Aquasox. So obviously, if, if if Everett were to win the second half, then there it is. We're done. Well. I think that pretty much covers everything. And yeah, on that on that down note, let's <laughs> uh, let's finish off this week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the world sucks. And, uh, <laughs> How know. can the world suck, man? The Blue Jays are in the second wild card spot. They're Just three games back of Baltimore. Who, for some, uh, I keep wanting to swear, I won't. Who, for some ducking reason, keep <laughs> winning out west with this paper and glue bloody rotation that they've got. Um, and what are we now? We're about. 15 days away from the Jays in Seattle themselves. Yep. When we all get to troop down, <laughs> drink a bunch of beer, and uh, and cheer them on. I'll do a pre-scout. I'm going down on a, a company outing on the 6th against the Braves. So I'll, oh, I'll, I saw I'll, the uh, sign-up. Yeah, the I'll, as I walked I'll in. pre-scout the, uh, the, the uh, <laughs> Mariners. Man, you don't have to pre-scout nothing <laughs> for me, man. I hey, know, I know what's what. I can tell you don't have the garlic fries because there's a lot of garlic in there. I've had I, I've seen them before. I'm not a huge garlic fry fan, no. but it's, the lady friend is. So, well, let her have she, her, yeah. and then get her tweeting about Big Brother all she wants at Blue Jay Gal. For those <laughs> that are interested in who we're talking about, but, uh, well, let's do us. So I'm at Charlie Kasky, C H A R L I E C A S K E Y. Can you say that slower? No. <laughs> Charlie Kasky. Is the name. The name and yourvancees.com, Y-O-U-R-V-A-N-C-S, for that pitching article and hopefully the McBroom slash college first base article will be up shortly. It should be in your bookmarks if it's not already. Exactly. A good one to check back. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Greg Ballock, S-T, Greg, B-A-L-L-O-C-H, S-T, and we will update you. You can feel free to send us any questions you have uh, if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, don't forget to subscribe on either of those because you can subscribe on SoundCloud or you can subscribe through iTunes. If you search us, your van sees on iTunes, whatever way you want to do it, you can subscribe. Yeah, and the email is yourvansees at gmail.com. That's the one. And we would love to field your questions if you have any, so feel free. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much covers it for today's show. And uh, we'll hope you, you'll join us for the eighth episode. It'll be uh, probably just another recap of the week. We won't quite be at the deadline yet. Uh, we don't have a date set for the next podcast, but we're going to try to get it in. Yeah, it's a long weekend next weekend, isn't it? Yeah. So it'll, it, it might, it be, might be a bit delayed, yeah. But uh, but we'll have we'll get Chris on. Yes, and that's we'll the talk, big one. Uh, we'll talk mechanics. Um, Apologies to Chris because of the... Well, no, power it's, outage and it's it's his power. Not his it's out. He's it's the one that's silly enough to live out east, where they get all these thunderstorms. Mm, don't be bashing out east. There's <laughs> some pretty <laughs> good things out there, like Blue Jays baseball, and tornadoes, and and all sorts. <laughs> um, Anyways, thank cool. you, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been a pretty good run so far this year. We've enjoyed this, doing this a lot this year. So, 
appreciate every listener we can get. And uh, yeah, free, free, feel free to contact us anytime if you want to have any C's questions or want to just hear your name on the podcast. We'd love to love to give you a shout out just to know that <laughs> somebody's out there. Maybe. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Charlie. Thank uh, you. Th- thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time on your Van C's weekly podcast. <laughs>